Hello and welcome to another episode of Navigating Neurodivergence. Dr. Rita Louise is with me today. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. I'm so excited. This is not a topic that I've traditionally talked about, but I feel I have a lot that I can bring to the table about. Yeah, yeah and I think that's that's really important too because for those that don't know you, give give, a, give the uh, I would say the elevator pitch of Dr. Rita Louise. <laughs> sure. So, as I like to say, in my day job, I work as a medical intuitive, working with people on intuitive levels to help them with their health, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual. Um, I do energy medicine as part of that practice. But then there's the other things that I like to do because I could never be like a, a regular doctor or a chiropractor that just sees person after person after person. And I really, you know, not that this is the format for this show, but I just do whatever they tell me, you know? <laughs> and, you know, so I've written seven books, I remodeled houses, you know, it's kind of like, okay, well, this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And that's what I do. And it keeps my life interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like that because I always tell people that they should always follow follow their highest excitement because when you do that, it brings you to where you need to be. And that shows you right there. There's something that goes on when it happens and you're like, oh, oh. And speaking of highest excitement, you, you wrote a whole bunch of books, but your newest book just came out. Uh, dang, it was it was me all along. It was me all along. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, I love the title. Just, what, can I get just like an old overview of the book? Because that's that <laughs> that title alone is going to make you go. Well, now I want to know. Well, here, I have a copy. I'll show. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> and that that that's the face. That's that the I, face. That's the face. <laughs> So, um, and I have to kind of like backtrack a little. So the last book I wrote was called The Dysfunctional Dance of the Empath and Narcissist. And the book opens where I came to the realization that most of my my relationships were with toxic men. But mm -hmm. also my personal relationships, they a lot of very narcissistic people in my life. And I allowed it to happen. But all right, I can say that now. I allowed it to happen. <laughs> And, um, you know, so it was really an exploration. I like researching. That's one of the things that I really enjoy doing was this research into this whole dynamic and what's going on and how did I end up here? And, and I figured, well, if I'm researching this, I'm going to write a book about it. And so, you know, I share this deep dive into the whole concept. So the last chapter of the book is a message of hope where I talk about that I met this new guy and blah, 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 and it's really great. And, you know, his line was, um, it was something, see, it just left. <laughs> anyway, um, well, as I say in the book, you know, it wasn't happy and thank God it didn't last forever. And <laughs> so... He's out the door and that's where this book picks up. You know, it's like, did you read my last book? You know, I, I ended with this story about this great guy and he turned out to not be great. And, you know, the bottom line that I came out of it was 
you know, if you start Xing things out, you know, like this and the guy and that and that and that, the only thing that is left is me. Mm. <laughs> and it's like, that was a big nut to swallow, a big yeah. nut to swallow. And so yeah. I started doing a deep dive into me because I was to a place that all I wanted in life was to be happy. And all I wanted was to experience inner peace. But how do you do that? Is is even that something you can even do? Is Can you cultivate that in your life? And so I did this deep dive into that. And, you know, instead of just researching stuff, I actually started doing stuff. Mm. <laughs> but it turned out to be the things that I was doing were so easy you know like starting to pay attention to my thoughts and if i have a negative thought come up you know catching it you know as quick as possible and it just opened up this other world to me you know and it's interesting because you know i work as an intuitive you know and so i listen to spirit i mean in the big picture i listen to spirit but apparently not for me <laughs> 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 well, you know, I, I have something to, to say to that. And it's, it rings so true. Every intuitive I know and every, um, basically every intuitive I know, every coach I know, everyone that helps others, they all have coaches and intuitives that they turn to because they have problems with themselves that they just have issues like connecting the dots sometimes. And I'm just like, we need to really look into that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's so true. It's yeah. so true. Yeah. Um, so I, I have to, to ask this too. When you decided to turn and look inward like that, because that is, that is a, a scary step because there's a lot of stuff going on inside where you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa what's all this about? You said something that kind of just made a light bulb go off in my head and that you love doing the research and research is great, but once you started doing it, it was, it kind of changed everything. Mm -hmm. So that first step that you did, like, and, and I know it's like, everyone's going like, I thought we were talking about neurodivergence. This is going to link directly to neurodivergence. Mm -hmm. um, that first step that you took to actually do the work, um, where was it? I always have to ask Great that. question. Great question. You know, so the relationship had just ended and all I kept doing. Okay. So I had started to become aware. I'm a, I'm a Olympic ruminator. I am so good at ruminating. And so I was becoming more and more aware of that tendency within myself. And so when the relationship ended, all I kept finding myself doing was ruminating about, you know, what a nasty downward dog he was. And, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be here. I don't want to, I know enough that if I'm thinking about him or a thing, I'm giving it energy. And I'm like, I don't want to give him energy. I don't want to give him anything, you know, and, <laughs> but I couldn't stop it. You know, and it's like, okay, so what do I need to do to shift that and not be thinking about him? And that really kind of uncovered 
a number of different things, you know, and even in a very simplistic sense, it's like, if you catch yourself in that cycle of worry, you know, it's usually worry or rumination. And for people that don't know what rumination is, it's when you're thinking about a past event. So you have an argument with someone or your boss says something and, and you think about it incessantly. Mm-hmm. That's rumination. That when you catch yourself in that, if you can just notice, it's like, oh, I'm thinking about that again. And just take a little pregnant pause and, and maybe breathe or, you know, tap or, you know, yeah. I mean. It's funny. It, tapping is a, a big one for me. I, I do that a lot. Um, but I, I know for what I started realizing I was doing that in life and I would fall back into those old patterns. I I had, um, when I was first diagnosed with ADHD, I did all the crazy research. I'd like deep dive research went all over the place. And then after reading, uh, Joe Dispenza's, uh, breaking the habit of being yourself, I was like, I got locked into the change game. And that's really what started me on the path of, of understanding how to break that cycle of, of rumination. And mm-hmm. thank you for bringing up that word. Cause I can never remember it. <laughs> uh, and um, what would happen is every time I would get that feeling, those feelings of, of the old traumas, the old cycles, the old patterns that would keep coming up and keep like f- bubbling to the top and send me off the, off the rails. Basically I would just say change. And literally it would stop me from going down that path and go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. we don't want to do that. Let's not do that. We're going to do something else. Mm-hmm. It's like, instead of feeling the panic, we'll just feel joy instead. Like, what do I want to feel instead? It's like, oh, this is, this works. <laughs> I know. So, um, Esther Hicks, who channels Abraham mm-hmm. has the 17 second rule. And so the 17 second rule is kind of like the five second rule where, you know, you drop a piece of food on the floor and you got five seconds, you know, but for her, if you catch a thought within the first 17 seconds, it hasn't really ingrained into your psyche, you know, and there's not any, you know, it's a minute and you catch it, you know, you're catching it. The goal is to catch it as soon as possible. And so, I mean, with this guy, and that was one of the things that I found real early on. You know, so I'm like taking the shower and I'm like, it's like 17 second roll, you know, <laughs> and I had nothing good to think about. Mm. And I'm like, but you know, not thinking about anything is better than thinking negative things, you know, cause they sit there and say, talk about somebody you love, talk about a pet, you know, or think about them. And I'm, so I would think about one of my husbands and, but he died. So it would start out good, but then it would turn really right bad. Right to the negative, yeah. Yeah, and it was like, okay, that's not good. So then I would think about my dog, but she's dead. So, you know, so it was like, okay, don't do that. Don't, you know, and finding joy, that was like not even remotely on the table. So I just figured no thought, you know, and I would like 17 second rule, and then I would just stop and breathe, you know, and just work on breath work because it was something to do that it was me not thinking. Mm. And, and, and for the listeners, those early days, I was 17 second ruling like every other minute, 
<laughs> at least it seemed that way. And after about, I'm going to say three weeks or so, it started getting less and it kept getting less and it kept getting less. And then I started applying it to other areas of my life, you know, where a negative thought would come in and be like, oh, well, that's a pretty negative thought. Okay, 17 seconds, roll that bad boy too. You know, and so it just became a practice. And when people talk about spiritual practices, they think they have to like sit on a mountain and meditate for an hour and do all this stuff. You know, and to me, it's more of this practice in particular is just taking that moment, you know, taking that 10 seconds or 30 seconds to refocus yourself. And that's it. Yeah. And that's it. I, I love that so much because I, I mention it in, in my book because what I did in, in my book, Tools for Navigating Neurodivergence, was what I did. It was people are like, Oh, what are these like things that you researched and put? I was like, no, this is 40 years of trial and error into a book. And they're like, wait, I'm like, yeah, I didn't learn how to meditate overnight. It took me years and years to figure out because my brain was wired differently. So I had to approach things differently. And like the act of like being mindful is not, the easiest thing when you don't know what you're doing at first mm -hmm. and things like breath work where it seems like yeah well, breathing we all breathe it's like that's yes we do we have to but also it's the intention of your breath and the focus on it and i and i always tell people i'm like okay there's a million types of breath work out there mm -hmm. i'm going to teach you how to box breathe and that's it. We're going to start very simple and you're going to get into that. And then you're going to forget about whatever you were just thinking, because you're going to be counting to four over and over. <laughs> and when they realize that just by doing stuff like that, that it will take them out of that negative thought it will take them out of that negative pattern. And like all of a sudden the anxiety starts coming down and the, the fear and all of these things that were coming up because of that thought that they were having about the argument that they had three weeks ago with that person. It's like, these are the tools that help us get through. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's so important. And I tell people, even neurotypical people, like you can use this too. This isn't just a, a, a neurodivergent thing. It really helps us because we, our brains do go a million miles a second and it can help us center and focus and be present but it can help everyone. And I think that's, it's really important to know. But I'm going to make this commentary and especially for the audience that is here, you know, when people think of meditation again, you know, they think of sitting on the top of the mountain <laughs> and keeping your mind quiet. And it is definitely a skill, but, but there's a giant, but to it. The point of meditation is to focus your thought. So our brains operate, we can only have one thought at a time. So we can think about dinner or we can think about the cat. Oh, I shouldn't do that. <laughs> 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 you know, or we can think about the concert or we can think about our stupid boyfriend, you know, but we can only think about one thing at a time. Now, the thing that we think about can switch back and forth and go all over kind of crazy but there can only be one thing in your awareness at a time. And so meditation 
calls for, you're focusing on one thing. So I'm focusing on my breath. That's the one thing. I'm focusing on tapping. That's the one thing. Mm -hmm. I, one of the things that I talk about, it's like, you know, if you're having a hard time, if there's a lot of energy on it, you know, and you can't, tapping's not working, breathing's not working, meditating's not working, go find something to do. Go rake yeah. some leaves. Go clean a bathroom, you know? Yeah. <laughs> go do something and burn the energy off and do it with intention, you know, and just get into it. I joke around and say, you know, there were days that my house was really clean because, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because I would just be like scrubbing and, oh, get the the toothbrush out. And because I really needed to be somewhere, not there. Yeah. Uh, I, I always give people the example that kind of got me into meditation and people are like oh you went to did you do something did you go to a seminar did you like go meet the yogi on top of the mountain i'm like uh i made a cup of coffee and they're like wait what i'm like yeah i made a cup of coffee i took five minutes out of my day to make sure i boiled the water and i put it in the french press i did all this stuff but that's what i was doing I stopped worrying about whatever emails I had to answer. I stopped worrying about the calls I had to make. I stopped worrying about whatever bills were due. I focused on this simple act of making a cup of coffee. And they look at me like, that's not meditation. I was like, you tell me that's not meditation. Mm -hmm. But that was five minutes of present focus just at the task at hand. And when I got done... I felt complete, which is something a lot of people go, how I'm like, just, if you just do that, just focus on that one thing. And everyone says, well, yeah, I can go make a cup of coffee. And instantly, even if it's a Keurig, they'll throw the thing in, hit the button and instantly their brain goes to something else. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you're not focusing on your coffee. You're not done making your coffee. Wait until you're done. Just be there with your coffee. And they're like, Okay. And I'm like, it's a practice. You, you don't learn overnight. It doesn't happen overnight, but when you practice and you keep at it, you start realizing that you can take that time and take that effort and go, okay, I'm going to do this thing that is going to calm me. It's going to let me focus. It's going to bring me to where I need. And it could be as simple as making a cup of coffee. It could be going for a hike it could be raking the yard or you could have like a little meditation corner where you actually just sit there and you know you turn off your eyes and go into Mm -hmm. whatever realm you want to go into but the thing is is it doesn't happen overnight it's you just have to work at it and it's always i always tell people they call it work for a reason but what i found i mean and i've meditated on and off for years, you know, so it wasn't necessarily a new thing, although the practices, like I never really did breath work, you know, and I never really was a tapper. Um, But what I found was that, you know, you say it's work, but it's five minutes work, three minutes work, you know, it's just sitting there and just being like, okay, you know, I'm tapping down here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
And it can be that simple. And what I found was after six months, I was pretty freaking good at it. I mean, Mm -hmm. not perfect, but pretty freaking good. And to me, that's really not a long time to, to be able to outwardly say I was pretty good. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's people look at that and like six months is a lot of time. I'm like six months to become really good at something that will make your life better. (laughs) Is that really that much time? People will spend years and years and years to hone a craft. But if you can learn this skill, even if it takes you six months, even if it takes you a year, it's going to better your life. So I always, um, and I always tell people, I'm like, you're not, like I said, it's not something you learn overnight, but if you keep at it every day, sometimes you might miss a day and that's okay too. Okay too. Yeah. You just keep building on that. And the results speak for themselves because you, you can catch the negative thoughts when they start coming up and they won't dictate your, you know, you won't just react to them. You'll just be like, Oh, Hey, what are you doing here? Okay. You go away now. Mm -hmm. Instead of having those outbursts or having those periods of like, Oh no, like like everything's falling apart. It's like, no, it's not. Everything's not falling apart. (laughs) But which, you know, so this actually add kind of... a little piece, you know, or a little example. Mm. So I have a dog, you know, so I take the dog out, but I just, I don't have a fence yard. And so I put my dog on a tether and, but I'll stay out there because if I go inside, he just comes to the door immediately. And so, you know, so I go and I sit out with the dog and that's when I spend my little mindfulness time mm. and I breathe and I tap, you know, so I take him out three or four times a day and I will literally spend a minute or two in my practice and that's it. And so, you know, people can figure out times where it will work for them. I mean, you're already making the coffee, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's not like that's not going to happen. It, that That's, that's a perfect example too. It's like, you can just add it in to the things that you're already doing. Even for the, this podcast, before you popped on, I was sitting here tapping because that's, what I do, I'm like, I, I have a little time. All right, I, let's get in, 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 you know, into podcasting mode. And I sat here and I was like, all right, I, I'm going to have a good show. And I just started tapping out of habit. <laughs> I started going through the points and I was like, all right. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, it's going to be a great show. I feel good. And let's, let's go for it. And, well, and, yeah. and when you make, have that practice, then it is a habit. And I know for me now, because tapping is a f- pretty new thing for me, but all I have to do is like hit that karate chop point. And so when I do energy work with people, I yawn a lot. Yeah. A lot. And now it's like all I have to do is like move my hand to the karate <laughs> chop point and I'm already yawning, you know, which tell, you know, which validates to me that my body on a functional level is responding to that prompt. Yeah. Yeah. That That's one thing I always notice, especially going through any, like whenever I'm tapping, I yawn a lot, a lot <laughs> is because it really does. I, I have that connection with it and that's how, 
that's what happens. And everyone goes, wow, are you tired? I'm like, no, no, <laughs> it's just, this is what happens now. It's like, um, so do you know why you're yawning? I, you know, I remember cause this is what's, if I am told it, which happens, uh, I will forget it because I didn't write it down when somebody told me like, like <laughs> two or three years ago. <laughs> but I remember I was just like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, please, because I know there's other people out there who are like, yeah, I, I yawn all the time, too, when I'm doing, well, it could be tapping or some other types of work. But I know tapping all the time for me is mm -hmm. prompts to yawn. It's because you're letting go of energy and your mm -hmm. energy is now starting to move through your body. And so instead of holding on to it, it's your body's way of eliminating it. Mm. You should see me. I take yoga once a week and I'm just yawning through all of that. <laughs> it, it makes perfect sense. I mean, cause those beliefs that, that get trapped in there when you start releasing them. Yeah. It's, it has to go somewhere and it has to get out somehow. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, that I will have to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be a year or two from now and i'll be like somebody will go do you know why you yawn while you tap and i'll be like yes i just can't remember <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I and i i i always kind of uh you know i joke with my memory my, my working memory is always like a little wonky but my recall i can recall odd things in my life and, and odd facts and figures and thing just things uh really well because my brain works fantastic like that but um what i wanted to get into is the whole idea with being neurodivergent people a lot of people in the energetic healing community and the intuitive community i, I know that there are a wide spectrum of neurodivergent people a lot of my friends are and I always have to ask this when you were growing up, I know you didn't feel different in that regard, because that's, it's something that we just think is n normal, how our brains work and everything. What was the point in your life where all of a sudden you went, Oh, this isn't the quote unquote norm. Like my brain is acting differently. I'm processing things differently. You know, so my big issue is I'm a bit dyslexic, you know, mm -hmm. so on that scale, I'm not really dyslexic, but it shows up in a number of different places like phonics skills, zero mm -hmm. <laughs> spelling skills, zero, <laughs> you know, so growing up, it's kind of like, you know, I failed spelling, you know, you have to like write this essay by hand and you know there's no spell check so you, you don't do good because everything's spelled wrong um <clears throat> i was sent to special reading class mm. uh, you know so it was always kind of came back on me that there was something wrong with me yeah and the concept of dyslexia wasn't really something that anybody talked about and I was like in my thirties and had gotten not in a car accident and went to the eye doctor because I always tested with 2020 vision, but I don't know. I just felt like I really needed to go. And it turned out this guy was worked with kids 
And I wrote on my thing, you know, I think I'm dyslexic. So he put me through this whole battery of tests, you know, and found two things that I had astigmatism that no one ever, because he was, yeah, that no one ever found. Um, and he said, you know, the stigmatism could be creating the dyslexia. Mm. I'm like, mm, okay. Um, but even when I wear glasses, it doesn't necessarily fix it. Yeah. So, and where it shows that, okay, so there's the spelling and absolutely no phonic skills, but then there's also in my ability to read things back, mm. you know? So people are like, oh, well, you should put your books on tape. I'm like, that would be a horror story. You know, I'd have, I'd have to read it. Yeah. Loud. Um, and if it didn't really have to follow the book, you know, <laughs> it would maybe be okay. I have to, I have to say this too, because people have been asking, they're like, well, I love your voice. Why aren't you doing your own audiobook?" And I go, I'm trying. And it, there is this thing where you want the book that I wrote. If I'm reading it, I'm going to start making interjections and start talking. That's, and things that are not even in the book and like that's just gonna happen naturally and i don't know if that's what you guys are looking for right <laughs> to sell it under that title you yeah know, and commentary yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i you know i i tell people too is when they have you know dyslexia is a great example and what i have is well i have ADHD. It's a severe and attentive ADHD, which always makes me giggle because the testing for ADHD is it, it takes about six hours and requires a lot of attention. And I'm like, you know, you could just skip all this. Like within the first five minutes of this testing, you should know that I I had ADHD. And I have like generalized anxiety disorder, which they generally go hand in hand. But the odd one for me is called dyscalculia and i didn't know because i used to just like joke I'm like yeah, i'm dyslexic with numbers but numbers aren't really it's not really like dyslexia with numbers they don't get switched is the concept of numbers i understand but i didn't understand that numbers had value and what they were so i got lucky because it's very mild but math was my kryptonite in in school. I was horrible at it, and it took me so long to learn it because I had to rely on my excellent pattern pattern recognition from ADHD to figure out what numbers did. So I had to be like, this shape and this shape makes this shape. And I had to correlate all Interesting. that. Interesting. So while everyone was like, oh, addition's really easy, and I was like, yeah and i was always like lagging a year behind on whatever my class was on in math and then once i got to algebra i was like please you're killing me you're now you're adding letters in with these shapes i, I don't know what this is <laughs> but i i didn't know about that until i was 40 like i i it was a recent discovery because i was diagnosed at 39 and then i found out about that a year later i'm like oh that's why math was impossible for me growing up. Like I didn't understand like why everyone says like, Oh, it's so easy. Like it's easy now. Cause like I can do pattern recognition on numbers and like reading time is annoying to me, but 
I get it. <laughs> but it's um, it's always interesting to hear because we always just kind of like, yeah, it, it's it's got to be us. You know, we're it's like it makes us feel not less, but like there's something wrong. Like, why? Mm-hmm. Why is why is that an issue? And, and for me, like the red flags, like I said, I was 39 when I was diagnosed and it was immediately like how did no one see this and then and then it was just like how can I fix this and that's that was like the the dividing point of my life at at age 39 was and I never even tried to fix it it was just this huge relief that I could sit there and go oh wait a minute you (laughs) can't I like make up the words you know (laughs) like couscous you know, so that food couscous, I called it conscious for forever. And then somebody said, are you talking about couscous? I go, oh, that's how you pronounce that. <laughs> and, um, you know, and like, all right, two quick stories. So when I had my podcast, you know, you're reading people's bios and it's live. So I'm like reading their bio and there would be times, all right, other than trash and guest names, which... Some of them were okay, some of them not so much. And I would be like, da 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 da. And they went to the University of, I can't pronounce that word. Okay, moving on. <laughs> and I would just keep going because I, what do you do? What yeah. do you do? But one of my books is a kind of ancient alien, ancient mystery kind of book. And it talks about all of these gods that. There, I, I had this friend who spoke like multiple languages and could write like in Swahili and, and I'm like, can you help me say these words? You know, cause there were certain ones. Okay. Which I still can't do it. Minor, like Thor's hammer. Can't oh, yeah. say it. Yeah, can't that, say it. So yeah. that one got X off the list, you know, but you can't radio interview if you can't you know, I could sit there and go, well, the Aztec God of fire, you know, and I could kind of get around <laughs> saying the names, but then there were certain concepts that I would talk about that I had to have the name. Yeah. I had to have it. And, but I would still mispronounce when I get, you know, the hate mail, you don't pronounce it that way. It's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That that's the that's the proper way to do it. Yeah, whatever. I, you know, I I tried. In <laughs> in it's I, I'm I'm very much the same way. And when it comes to a lot of things, like I try as hard as I can. It took me many years now. It took a few years to be able to still. You can go back in older episodes when I try to say dyscalculia, because it's not an easy. Mm-hmm. thing to say and when you look at it on paper you're like uh-uh i'm not saying that word like that's that doesn't need that that's not a word i don't know what you're talking about but it's it's like could could people just make words a little easier <laughs> they, See, don't... they don't even have to be hard words for me mm, no? yeah. and there are certain ones that i have to have somebody say it to me yeah and then have me repeat it if it's important you yeah. know there's this, all right, so I'm going to name drop here. So there is a gentleman, his name, see, I don't even know if I say it right. It's either Drunvalo or Dr- Drunalvo. 
I don't know. I used to say one way and through the whole interview, he, I did not say it right. And he kept saying it and, or no, he just kept getting pissed off. And so, <laughs> you know, after I was telling a friend of mine and she was like, well, you pronounce it blah, blah, you know? And I'm like, yeah. And so she literally sat there until I pronounced it correctly. But now I don't remember which one is the right one. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, he doesn't name like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I've definitely, I've been in situations where I, I, I look at the people's names and I'm like, oh, great. And I, I have to hear them say it multiple times before I can actually say it because I know what I'll do. Like my my brain will look at the, the letters and they'll go, all right, we're going with this. And I'm like, please don't. I know that's not right. Mm-hmm. And my brain's like, I don't care. That's how we're saying it. And I'm like, please, please, I'm trying to talk to this person. And I can't say this word, but it's, it's something that as I've gotten older and, and definitely have gotten comfortable with myself, I, 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 it's not that I don't care. It's, I don't have the, the shame or the, the, fear attached to it anymore because if i say it wrong what's the worst thing I, I grew up with everyone pronouncing my name wrong it's it's stefan it's a very simple name but i would get steven all the time there's no v or ph or anything like that but i would get steven a lot or kevin <laughs> or things like that yeah don't ask me I, <laughs> this is just something that happened my entire life so I always said, I'm like, well, if I get it wrong, what's the worst that can happen? I get corrected. That's, that's it. Because I grew up with my, my entire life with it happening to me. And all I would do, I'm like, oh, it's Stefan. It's, it, that's it. That's <laughs> so it, it's, um, it takes a lot to kind of like get over that, that, that little hump though of like, oh, I, I have to pronounce this right. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't have to. <laughs> I don't really care. Although yeah. there are some situations where it, it really is important. So if there are words that I know I can't say, but I know I need to say them, I, I won't even say them out loud. I don't try to articulate them. And then I find somebody so that that's the name that gets imprinted and not my weird made up word that is not even close to being right. You know, but I was filmed for uh, Gaia's ancient civilization number five well actually four and five and so we were talking about the island of sulawesi Mm. not sulawenki (laughs) but sulawesi and they just had kept having to retake it because i kept calling it sulawenki (laughs) because that's what my brain said it was damn it Yeah, I mean, hey, that's what your brain's saying. You got to go with it. It's making you say it that way for a reason. <laughs> Don't know what the reason is, but it's it's a, there's a reason there. You know, but in those professional situations, yeah, it's like, okay, you're going to have to work with me. And I just tell them it's like I got bad phonics skills. And you're going to have to work with me on like, and I'll underline, I can't say this word. I can't say this word. So, yeah. Well, it's good that you uh, obviously that you recognize it so you can tell them because most people will just be like, they'll just flub it and until they get it right, you know, and 
luckily we're in the digital age now we're not shooting on film for things like that <laughs> so it, it's it's not as bad but you know i it makes me also go back to you know since you have written so many books um how is your writing process when you have issues <laughs> with with uh phonetics that, that's and, a great question so what i find is that where it tends to rear its ugly head the most is I have an inability to take that information and have it come out of my mouth correctly. Mm. And thank so, God for spell check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, my, my, um, I have like a, everything is like a ritual for me. So even when I go to, to write, if I'm writing, like right now I'm writing my next book and, I do all this stuff to set up no distractions and I, it's just a black screen with white text so I can type. But what I've learned is I have to turn spell check off or else I will go back and try to, I will stop like mid sentence and go back to fix all the words instead of letting my thought finish. But this is a tip for all the, the neurodivergent people out here that might try my method when you're done, turn it back on and run spell check <laughs> because it happened the first draft of my book. I sent it to my editor and she's like, did you spell check this? And I was like, oh no. And she's like, Cause normally like I understand there's some words that are different that might not be a, like the proper spelling, but you have a lot of spelling. <laughs> and I was like, Oh no. And I looked and I, I went, Oh, and I turned it on. It was just like a wall of red. red screen. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, okay. That lesson learned there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, you know, I used to manage, so I used to work in the military industrial complex in engineering services. And so we took care of all the documents. So all the documents have part numbers on them, letters and numbers, <laughs> you know, and it was interesting because I, I can do data entry. I can sit there and take that number and key it in. And I have no problems. I don't have mistakes particularly. I'm good that way because it's, that character recognition. Yep. That goes with that guy with that. But then there would be days because I was the manager that we would be looking for a file or, and I'd be looking and look, I'm like, I need part number, blah, blah. And I have the whole room looking for this part or this document. And then one of my employees would take the paper from me that the number was written on. It's like, we don't want three, nine. We want nine, three. So they learn, don't let her file anything. <laughs> <laughs> don't let her look in the filing cabinets. Just give it to one of us and we'll go find it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, the, you know, I, I, I commend anyone that that has to work with anyone that has the minds that we do because it is a different thing altogether it's a beast of a different like it's just a totally different species because <laughs> a lot of people don't understand how how like like no this is how we're seeing it that's how it's coming out like it no matter how many times like i'll look back because this happens a lot with with my wife where 
she goes, hey, could you go... This is a great example. She was like, could you go grab uh, that little uh, container over there? And I'll look over, and I'm like... And I look back at her, and she's like, it's right there next to the box of tissues. And I look again, and I'm like, I don't see it. I don't see this thing. What is she talking about? And what's happening is there's this weird object blindness that comes with ADHD and I don't I'm still researching it because I I thought it was just like oh I'm just I just can't the invisible container (laughs) yeah and it will drive me crazy and then she's like it's right here and she'll pick it up I'm like how did I not see that and I thought it was just like a weird phenomenon with me or maybe I'm like I just don't see it or I'm not understanding but there seems to be a correlation with other people that have ADHD that there's this strange thing that there's an object, there's like object permanence and object blindness are a real thing for us. And I'm really trying to dive deep into that because it is so strange. Um, it's a strange, it's just one of those things that people, I don't say they have to deal with it, but if they're working with me and they ask me to look for something, there's a very good chance I will not find it. But Mm -hmm. if you ask me where I put something last week, I'll be able to tell you like, oh yeah, no, that's underneath the dresser. It rolled there uh, last week and it will be under there to the left side. And I'll be like, how did you know that? (laughs) Because it's in here. But mm-hmm. if you put something someplace, I just, I won't see it. I don't know where it is. It's a very strange interesting. thing. Interesting. You know, yeah. I have found that people that are neurodivergent, you know, you come up with coping skills, mm-hmm. you know, that are not how they teach you to do things. You know, you just figure out your own way of, you know, doing stuff. Um, and they tend to be very creative people. I mean, a lot of people that I know that are in this more spiritual community are all freaking dyslexic or got some processing issue going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's that's actually very, like I said, like most people I know, like my one of my good friends, you know, he's been a uh, energy healer and intuitive and psychic for so many years. And we clicked because he also has ADHD and we just understood each other. Mm-hmm. We didn't even have to like explain anything. And it was just like, Oh yeah, no, I, I know what you're doing because I do that too. And mm-hmm. it was just, it, it worked. And yeah, you know, speaking, I actually kind of want to get to this, just um, speak, speaking of the energy uh, work and everything. When did you first actually get into that? Because for me, this last two years of my life was kind of like the reawakening because it was something I was aware of when I was a kid and then like 30 years of radio silence. And then I came online. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But when was that moment for you? So I had been interested in the whole concept of psychic ability since I was a kid Mm. and, you know, read all these books, but never really felt like, you know, anything changed or developed or whatever. And 
found the Berkeley Psychic Institute and studied with them. And after being in their program for three weeks, I realized that I had been very psychic my whole life. You know, mm. their thing was they just threw you into a situation, you know, go in this room with these people and sit over there and we're doing psychic readings. And this one woman had come in and for the uh, healing session and her complaint was she was a beautician and she was losing clientele and she wanted us to do some energy work or get some insights onto what was going on. And it was interesting because that particular night, people that had finished this early piece of the program decided to show up. And so instead of having like five people, now there were 10 people. I mean, there were quite a few of these more mature students there. And you sat in a row and faced the client. And so because I was so new, I like sat at the end of the row. And so whoever sat in the center chair was the one who pretty much interfaced with the client. And then you could add your two cents kind of thing. So they're talking about like these past life agreements and you have these current life contracts and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, that's really going to get butts in chairs. I mean, I, whatever. And so, you know, the woman who was facilitating it said, well, is there anybody else that wants to add something? And so I raised my hand because I kept seeing this woman with long red hair kind of work, walk up to a counter and slam her purse down. And so I started to talk and the facilitator said, you need to close your eyes. Cause this is literally the first time I ever made a comment there three weeks into the program. <laughs> I mean, cause it's intimidating when you're in this room with all these psychic people and you're like new anyway. So I close my eyes, which talking with your eyes closed is really a skill. <laughs> it really is a skill. Mm -hmm. It's okay. And sorry, dog was getting a little wound up. And <laughs> so I, I just closed my eyes and I'm like, did you have a woman with long red hair working for you? And she said, yeah. I said, well, what was she really angry? And she said, yeah. I said, well, her anger energy is keeping people from coming into the store. Then I opened my eyes and the entire row of psychics, including the really smart ones, were all leaned over <laughs> looking at me. And I'm like, that's what you want me to do? It's like, I've been doing that my whole freaking life. Yeah. And I got yeah. stories from like the pre-psychic Rita, like pretty intense stories. And so that was, that was the defining moment. And it took a whole life of stuff and made it be relevant mm. yeah see i i love hearing that i, I really do love hearing that because i, I it's a message i kind of want a lot of people to hear it's whether people have because everyone has their beliefs everyone has their skepticisms but whether you have this feeling of like oh i don't know about psychics i was like well if you don't like that label of psychic ability, but you do understand the idea of intuition, and I try to, because I've met enough people in my life where they go, oh, psychics, uh, and they like back away, like mm -hmm. you're, you're a vampire at that point, and they're like making the sign of the cross, and it's really funny. Right. But. <laughs> 
But if I once I can move them towards like well your intuition you, that gut instinct that thing that pops up in your head right you go oh I'm no I'm not I'm not going down that street today and then you come to find out there was like oh gas explosion during that down that street that day and you're like wow that's interesting that that happened I'm like yes it is that's 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 it you did it that's the thing and they're like. I did what? I'm like, you had a psychic moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I try to ease them into it because it, it's like, Hey, this, everyone has it. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. And it's when you can actually lean into it and understand what's happening and utilize it, everyone benefits from it. I mean, it's, it's not a, not a bad thing. <laughs> Well, and I offer even more simplistic example. So you wake up in the morning and for some reason you get this thought, I should take a sweater to work. But you look outside and it's a beautiful sunny day and you're like, what do I need a sweater for? And you get to work and you get called into a meeting and it's 65 degrees and you freeze and you sit there and you bang yourself in the head and go, God, I wish I brought that sweater. Mm. And I tell people, it doesn't matter that you didn't take the sweater. Don't beat yourself up. I go acknowledge that you had the thought in the morning to take the sweater. And then eventually when this happens over and over and over again, that you'll start taking the sweater. Yeah. That's that, that is a much easier <laughs> explanation of that. Well, you know, but it's something that people can totally relate to because yeah. it happens to us all. I mean, maybe not a sweater, but those situations where you're like, Oh man, I was just thinking about that. Yeah. But you didn't yeah. listen to yourself. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's where it starts because it, it's across the board and whether you are in the spiritual community, the psychic community, or you're just a neurodivergent person that's wondering like, what the hell's going on when you are, when you do start to listen to yourself, a lot of good happens because mm -hmm. there's so much information that are, is coming through us at, at all times. And if you just tap in and go, Oh, Oh, okay. Oh yeah. No, I, that's, that's an interesting thought that just popped up. Why did that pop up? Well, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with that because it, that came up for a reason. Mm -hmm. that, that's all it takes. You know, but it all really starts with becoming aware of those thoughts, whether they're negative thoughts or positive thoughts, but it's all about paying attention to what's going on inside. Yeah. Uh, you know, before we, we wrap up today, Dr. Rita, I, I, I always, I ask something uh, of all my guests that, you know, everyone kind of has their story of where, where they're coming from and what they're doing. But I always like to ask people, where are you going with everything that you've learned in life and that you do? Like what's next on the horizon? Now that you've released this book, what's next after this? <laughs> you know, and, and people look at me weird. I go, I only do what they tell me to do, you know? So do I have a five-year plan? Hell no. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm good. But you know where I'm going next because this book has released, you know, so now there's the whole promotional window that you go through. <laughs> it's going to sound terrible, but I bought a project house. <laughs> and so, you know, like today I lift carpet staple carpet tacks off the floor and tomorrow lifting staples and 
um, looks great on the outside, but on the inside, it's a lot scary. And there's no electric, no water, and no HVAC in it yet. Yeah, that's that's a project house. (laughs) But I like it. I'm having so much fun doing it. And, you know, it was a spirit thing because I've been talking about getting another house. And I kind of laid off. And I decided I was going to call my realtor again. And he was like, I was just thinking about you. There's this house. It hasn't gone on the market yet. And it has really good bones. And he goes, it has your name written all over it because there's a lot of coordination that needs to happen and a lot of finish work that needs to happen, which is what I really like doing. And it was a win, 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 win situation. (laughs) So I feel like spirit just dropped it in my lap. (laughs) That's, that's perfect. And you know, I, uh, I do, I have to thank you so much for coming on and just having this conversation today because it, it is, it's very important to have these conversations because it lets people know that everyone is, is having a whole bunch of stuff going on and we all deal with it a little differently, but we all have these tools to, to get through and and to make it. Um, uh, Before we do go, where can everyone find you online? Uh, I know it's all in the show notes and I mentioned it back in the the intro, but I like hearing my guests promote themselves. (laughs) You know, so uh, my primary website is soulhealer.com, S-O-U-L-H-E-A-L-E-R.com, soulhealer.com. And so you can find out pretty much everything about me there. Um, All of my books are available on amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, all that good stuff. You know, and I'd like to share this with your listeners, but on Thursday night, so in a couple of hours, I do a live stream that streams either on Facebook, YouTube, so, and Rumble, but Rumble, you can't type comments in. Mm. Um, And it's called, well, on on the YouTube, it's under Just Energy Radio because that was my podcast before, and I had fourteen thousand subscribers, so I was not going to start over. <laughs> but you know, but it's the live tab, and on Facebook, it's Dr. Rita Dash Live, hmm. and you can tune in, and I kind of talk about stuff, and then you can ask questions in the chat room, and it's really fun, and you get to hang out with me for an hour, which is freaking awesome. It is. Uh, guys, I can totally attest to that. <laughs> this has been an awesome time to hang out and, and, and chat with you. And, you know, uh, and once again, I want to thank you so much for, for coming on. And for everyone out there, you, you know what I'm about to say. My listeners uh, hear this mantra of mine, but you are not alone. You're not alone in your struggles. You're not alone in what you're going through. We're here for you. So make sure you just reach out to those that can help you, even if it's just sending me a message. But thank you again, Dr. Rita. It was a pleasure having you on. Thanks, Stephen.